uh, just for a little while. I want to I begin, begin with a word of exhortation uh, that, we, uh, that we gave the elders uh, last evening. And uh, if you could turn with me, we'll, we'll open this, this morning with 1 Peter chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through 11. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a warring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. How many of you know that suffering does great things? Suffering accomplishes great things. After you've suffered a while, make you perfect. Suffering will establish you, suffering will strengthen you, and suffering will settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. We uh, want to talk about uh, this principle just for a little while this morning. Number of, uh, number of weeks ago, number of weeks ago, the Lord dropped a, just one scripture verse in my heart. And uh, upon that, we begin to build uh, a line of teaching. We begin to build some words of uh, admonishment for the elders and for the church. You know, how many of you know that as we begin to talk about elders, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of elders here. Some of them are elders by office, but there's a lot of us that are elders by age. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? Glory to God. How many uh, people in the room this morning are older than somebody else? Could I see your hands? <laughs> Ah, yeah, I knew I could get everyone involved this morning. Praise the Lord. That's a, that's a, a minister's hope. Praise God. It didn't involve everybody. Uh, but everybody is older than somebody. Glory to God, except for maybe one of the dedications this morning, I don't know. Uh, but no, uh, you know, as, as you become an elder, as you do, as you, you grow and, and you mature, you begin to realize, I, I believe, greater and greater measure as time goes by, you begin to realize the gravity of the position that you hold. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about uh, that commitment one to another just for a little while here this morning. I want to talk to you uh, a, a message that might be familiar to some of our folks um, here this morning, but uh, no message ever comes out the same way twice, praise God. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to talk to you just a, a little bit this morning uh, on a message entitled, A Thin Crimson Line. Uh, 
And uh, in order to understand, to better understand uh, the message this morning, uh, I want to talk to you first and foremost. Uh, my son uh, is a sheriff's deputy. He is now a, a sergeant in the sheriff's department in Franklin County. And, uh, you know, a number of, uh, number of uh, years ago, about two years ago, I, I, noticed, uh, I noticed that he had, Paul had a, a little sticker on the back window uh, of his vehicle. And it was a uh, it was a, a black and white uh, American flag, and uh, what stood out to you, though, is, is about two-thirds of the way down on one of the long stripes under the stars, uh, there was a thin blue line, a thin blue line. And uh, I had seen it a time or two, uh, but I didn't really, really know what it was all about, or I didn't know what it was. And so I asked my, my son about it. I said, Paul, was that sticker on the vehicle when you bought it, or, or did you put it on there? And he said, no, no, Dad, I put it on there. And he said, that represents the, the police force. That represents people in law enforcement. And he said, they are a thin blue line. There's not many of them. Uh, you know, we cover a, a lot of territory, he was telling me. He said, we do a lot of work. And uh, he said, we're spread pretty thin. But he said, what we represent, we represent a barrier. We represent a safety. We represent a line of protection for everybody. Praise God. And how many of you know we need more godly men and women in, in police enforcement, amen, and, 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 and across our nation and our military, and thank God that there's such a tremendous response. Uh, but he explained it that way, and I said, ah, you know, I'm going to do a little research. I want to do a little studying. Uh, now, uh, the thin blue line, uh, that symbol, actually, uh, it actually comes from uh, a term uh, established all the way back in 1854. This term began, um, it, uh, and it was known as the, the famous Thin Red Line. When a British regiment held off a Russian cavalry charge during the uh, uh, Crimean War back in 1854, where the word red referred to the color of the British uniforms, the blue in Thin Blue Line refers to the blue color of the uniforms of many police departments. You know, and with that in mind, with that in mind, um, you know, each and every person uh, that is involved in, in these agencies, uh, they have to, each and every one of them, they have to take an oath of office. They have to take an oath of office. And they have to raise their right hand and, and they have to swear an oath uh, based on, on, on biblical understanding of truth. Uh, and the oath goes this way, and I believe it's very, uh, very common. Uh, but in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I understand that uh, having lived here, that we are living in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, but they're very similar for a lot of these agencies. And uh, every person, uh, before entering uh, on any discharge of any function, uh, must take this oath. And the oath goes something like this. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge all the duties incumbent upon me as an officer according to the best of my ability and... They finish with, so help me God. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many people like that this morning? I really do. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the foundational uh, doctrines and the foundational beliefs of our judicial system are based on the Ten Commandments. 
you know, it was back during the 1200s uh, that it was established as, uh, as taken uh, out of biblical, uh, you know, uh, limitations and it was placed uh, in society. It was introduced as a, a biblical account. It was introduced as a system of defining the difference between right and wrong actions. And so because of that, because of that, you know, I, I really believe that each and every one of us, for that matter, we become peace officers. <laughs> Glory to God. That each and every one of us, as we pick up a responsibility and as we take up duties before God, that we too have taken an oath of office. Uh, you know, it's interesting enough, the first time uh, I addressed this concept of the church, began to uh, talk about these issues, uh, we had also had a dedication that morning. And uh, interesting enough, this morning as I stand before you to deliver the word of the Lord, we had two specific dedications here this morning. And in a type and in a way, when you take on the great and awesome responsibility and duty of bringing children into this world at this time, you are before God taking an oath of office. Amen. Come on, can somebody say amen? We are taking an oath of office. We are saying that, God, we are not only dedicating this child to you today, come on, as Hannah did with Samuel so many thousands of years ago, but I believe as a pastor, and what I like to do is remind people of the oath that they took. You know, when the children get up in years, they, 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 they'll grow, they'll, 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 they'll age. Uh, and sometimes as parents, when the children begin to get up in, in a few years, we sort of forget that we turned the, their life back over to the Lord. Now, Hannah in Scripture did not even entrust herself into properly raising her son to serve God. But she committed him completely and absolutely and only came and visited him one time a year. But she dedicated him over to the prophet. She dedicated him over to the priest, Eli. And she said, here, I have dedicated him. I swore an oath to the Lord that he would be raised as God's man, that he would be raised as God's child. And so she took him and delivered him to the priest and very sadly turned and walked away. You know, I believe that, you know, we, we really don't have to take our children when we dedicate them and just give them to somebody else. But listen, figuratively speaking, we are dedicating their hearts and their lives totally and completely over to God. And what we are vowing to the Lord is that, Lord, we will not only provide for and not only protect this child, but God, we will raise him according to your design. We will raise him according to your will. We will raise him according to your plan and to your purpose. Come on now, I just really believe at times that we need to go back to parents and we need to go back to individuals and we say, do you remember the oath that you took when the child was several months old or several years old? Do you remember the oath then that you made before God and before the witnesses of your local church? Do you remember how you dedicated them over to the Lord and you swore before the Lord and affirmed that, God, I will raise them according to your plans and according to your purposes, hallelujah. Come on, but how many of you know life happens? Life happens. Pressure comes. Responsibilities come. A lot of things, you know, bombard people today. Uh, I believe that we are facing days and situations like never before, especially in our country. Can somebody say amen? I believe our children are facing situations and circumstances that I didn't have to face when I was a child. 
You know, my heart really does. It goes out to parents today. It really does. Uh, they, they need our prayers, and their children need our support. Come on now, as well as from their parents. Can somebody say amen? So what we do is we, we, also, we also give a vow. Those that participated, not only those that walked forward, the other family members, but everyone present in this great body of Christ this morning, we all give a vow before the Lord as well. And we vow that, Lord, we're not going to leave these parents helpless and hopeless, but we're going to pour into them. We're going to teach them. We're going to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. We're going to pull alongside them. Come on now. We're going to help to instruct the children. We're going to be there for them. But I'm here to tell you that that is in no wise a replacement of the duties and responsibilities of parents and guardians to speak into personally their children's lives. Come on. Every child needs to hear their parents or their guardians quote the Word of God, speak the Word of God. Every child needs to see their parents spending time on their knees before God. Come on now. Every child needs to hear their parents speaking forth the Word of God. Thank God we got one person here this morning that believes I'm speaking the truth. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody give the Lord a shout of victory, praise God, here today. Amen? But we, we represent, we represent at times, each and every one of us, a thin crimson line. We stand between our children and the enemy. Come on, we are defenders for them. And not only defenders, but you know, I'd like to use another little bit of a term this morning. It's called discipline. Uh, you know, don't get nervous. You know, I'm not talking about uh, uh, or just uh, alluding to the, the, the one side of discipline. But what is discipline? Well, it does include punishment, but it should include a very small, small portion of punishment. But discipline in and of itself denotes that there is time spent instructing that there is time spent pouring into, that there is a majority of your time that is spent when you are giving into the lives of, of those that God has given you the, uh, the oversight over, that you're pouring into them, that you're speaking into the lives, that you're putting your arm around them, that you're kneeling with them, that you're praying with them, that you're taking time out of your busy schedule and thinking that, you know what, I've only been given a few short years to impact the children that God has given me responsibility over. They won't be little forever and one day very soon, sooner than you think. And I'm speaking to those that are dedicating their children. Before you have turned around, you will realize that your children are grown and they are leaving the house. Come on, is anybody out there? Believe you me, when you get a few years under your belt, come on now, you begin to realize that this life is fast and it is fleeting. It will be here today and gone tomorrow. Come on. How many of you know that God wants us to take hold and to seize the occasion today? To grab a hold of and to seize the occasion, the opportunity that we have been blessed with, hallelujah, to impart truth and righteousness, to impart morality, hallelujah, according to divine scripture, hallelujah, into the lives not only of our children, but everybody, come on now, around about us that the Lord says, I'm giving you influence, I'm giving you purpose, hallelujah, I'm giving you an opportunity to have a profound effect on people's lives. Hallelujah. How many of you know that a righteous man, go ahead, give God a shout of victory. But how many of you know that a one righteous man that will stand in the gap and make a hedge can change an entire household, community, state, or nation. Hallelujah. 
Come on now. Come on now. I want to talk about not only our duties and responsibilities, but I want to talk about the empowerment and the enablement of Almighty God. Come on, let's never shortchange the power of God that is available to each and every one of us. Praise God. Amen? Oh, it's easy to become discouraged. You know, I've often talked about the three weapons uh, uh, that we are to defend against. And uh, basically, they are discouragement, worldliness, and heresy. These are the enemies that will come against your children. These are the enemies that will come against your marriage. These are the enemies that will come against your church. These are the enemies, come on now, that will come against one nation under God. Come on now, amen? See, every relationship is, is very basic. In every relationship, there are similarities, there are pluses and minuses, there are principles that are involved in every single relationship, and they apply to the various relationships. Come on now, the, uh, for example, when we address the elders, uh, we didn't go over the 16 qualifications for the elders, but there are very specific qualifications for a person that is entering in, uh, you know, to the office of, a, of an elder. Uh, and contained in that, you find three basic areas. You find that there are requirements, first and foremost, for their character and their conduct, their personal life. You know, it begins with qualification number one, that an elder or bishop in that context must be blameless. Blameless in all of the rest of the 15 qualifications, not just one. But as we read through the qualifications, we begin to find out that God says that a, a bishop or an elder has got to have his own house in order. For if he doesn't know how to rule his own house, how can we expect them to know how to rule a larger family, the house of God? Come on, can somebody say amen? amen. So there's that, that second area of responsibility, that second area of duty, but there's also a third. Because then the word tells us that an elder must have a good report of them that are without. They must be outstanding citizens of their neighborhood and community. Amen. Come on, can somebody wave your hand in victory this morning? So in all these areas, in all these areas, you know, we find out that, you know, this can apply, really can. It can apply to our, not only our personal life, but it should and will apply to our marriage, and it will and should apply, come on now, to, to our neighborhood, our community. You know, it's one thing for a person to look good on Sunday morning. Glory to God is one thing, you know, to, to come in and be able to shout and praise and, and glorify God and everything else. But, you know, it's another thing on, you know, how do you treat your neighbors on Monday afternoon? Come on, how do you treat your community? Come on now, going through Giant or, or Acme. Come on, how do you treat those, praise God, that you come in contact with the rest of the week? Well, as a child of God, come on now, the Word says that, you know what, I not only want to do a work in your life, but I want the work that I do in you to be made manifest and let your light so shine among the world that they may glorify God at the day of visitation. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that means that as I glorify God, as I allow the Lord to have His rightful place in me, come on now, without saying one word to anybody else, I can affect my family, my neighborhood, my state, State, glory to God in my nation, hallelujah, that they can look at me and I can reflect the glory of God. I can reflect the morality of, of a righteous Savior, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody give them a shout of victory this morning. It is only through the power and righteousness of God. Of God. I, I read this this morning. 
John chapter 15, and I'll read just quickly verse 5 and, and verse 7. Jesus declared, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And get this. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. Wow. And then we move on to verse 7. Jesus continues, and he says, if ye abide in me, and everybody say, my words. And if my words abide in you, what does that mean? It means that God's word, when it's written on our heart, will be manifested in our character, our actions, in our speech. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout amen? Come on, we're talking about the power of God. And he says, he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will. Listen, and it shall, look at somebody and say, it shall. Not might, not might, it shall be done for you. Woo, come on, over somebody wave your hand in victory. Come on, I'm here to tell you this morning that, listen, the closer you draw to the Lord, the more power of the Lord that your life will begin to manifest. Will begin to manifest. And maturity will tell that person who is beginning to see the manifestation of the power of God in their own life, maturity will tell them, this is not me, but it's the power of the vine that is flowing through me, the branch, praise God. I don't know about you, you know what this does for me? You know what this does for me? It takes the pressure off of having to think that I must produce every day of my life. That couldn't be any further from the truth. As you read your Bible, as you get the Word in you, as you fall on your face, as you kneel before God, and as you pray continually, come on now. Listen, God is going to begin to reveal His power, to reveal His character, to reveal His person in you and also through you. Come on now. Listen, what does it mean by signs and wonders shall follow them that believe? It means, come on now, that listen, you may not see it in front of you, you may not see it behind you, but I promise you by the word of God that the signs will follow you. Come on now. And I believe that for some of us in order to keep our pride level in check, God may say it's better for you in my relationship that you don't see everything that I'm doing through you. Hallelujah. Uh, come on, it was somebody to get happy in the Lord. Come on, I wish somebody would get real happy in the Lord. Praise God. I heard a, a statement the other day. I heard a statement the other day, and the statement went this way. Statement went this way. It said, no farmer expects to reap in the same season that he sows. Wow. What does that mean? Well, that means that as you sow the Word of God, first and foremost in your life and let it grow to maturity. As you become that fruitful bough, as you become that branch from the vine, come on now, and fruit begins to be produced in you and through you, come on now, that you automatically know, I am not responsible for this, but it is the power of God that is flowing through me, the branch. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody wave your hand in victory. Praise God, I really do. I think we, so many times, and I know I'm speaking from experience. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me this morning. 
Come on now, amen? Because you get to a place in your life where, you know, the enemy's always there saying, look what you've done, look what you've done. And I'm always saying, no, look what God has done, look what God has done. Come on there, there's no good in me. There's no righteous in me except for Jesus Christ, the blood of his cross. Come on, can somebody shout amen here this morning? We are ambassadors for Christ. We are, come on now, actively carrying the power of God to individuals that need a healing touch or a saving touch or a delivering touch of Almighty God. Come on now. No one, no one under the sound of my voice is exempt from operating in the power of God. But as individuals draw closer to the Lord, as individuals apply His Word, a great life of prayer before the Lord, those signs, those wonders will follow. The Word says those signs and wonders don't follow the, you know, the, the ordained elders or the, or the pastor or a bishop. No. Them that believe. Come on, say that with me. We that believe. That's you and me together. I'm your servant this morning. I'm not greater than you. Is anybody out there? Come on now. No, I'm just following Christ. Come on now and doing what he tells me to do and encouraging you the same thing, that God wants you to arise up in every occasion. Hallelujah. No matter if you're in a law office, no matter, come on now, if you're on a rooftop, no matter what you're doing or where you go or what God has ordained for you to do, the power of God is waiting, waiting, waiting to be manifest in everything that you do. Praise God. How many of you believe me that God not only knows how to work on your car, but God knows how to run a computer. Come on, can somebody say amen here this morning? Come on now, my God is not limited to anything, but any good thing has already come down from our Father above. Hallelujah. Oh, wish somebody would give him a shout of victory. Praise God. No matter who you are, where you come from, you can have the power of God moving in and through you. I look at Brother Mike over here. This guy is really, truly amazing to me. I don't understand everything that he can do. I don't understand everything that he knows. But I do know one thing. It impresses me. It impresses me. I know enough to change a light bulb, but he understands what the light bulb's all about. Come on, is anybody out there? Praise God. But I do know that no matter how high we go in life, no matter how educated we are, listen, God is always up. God is always higher. God is always greater. Come on, can somebody shout amen? And if we'll begin to learn, come on now, that no matter what we aspire to, praise God, if we'll do it as unto the Lord, God's power is available in your workplace. Praise God. I want to touch on a few things, a few things here this morning. I'm hurrying along. I really am. But not only we are to given an oath of office, but I'm trying to impress upon you here this morning uh, the importance of, of who you are, the importance of how you uh, treat others, the importance, praise God, of, of, uh, of your leadership skills. Uh, we've been taking a class. It's, it's entitled House or Home, and I want to give the, the, the man, the Chip Ingram, uh, you know, credit. Uh, where it is due. He's inspired my life. He's, he's, uh, I, I continually learn more about raising children the older I get. I continue to learn more about, about marriage principles. I continue to, to grow more uh, in, in revelation. But he, he spoke of the four different styles of leadership. I call it leadership. He calls it, he calls it parenting. Uh, but all the principles are the same. And I'd like to, to read these just quickly to you. 
Uh, first and foremost, the first type of, of a leader or a parent in this case is called a permissive leader or a permissive parent. Now, you can parent permissively, but there's a problem with it. Now, a permissive parent, let me just to qualify that of saying a permissive parent is, is high in love, but low in discipline. Come on. High in, everybody say high in love. Oh, oh, love their children. Lo give their lives, yes. But low in training and low in punishing them when they do wrong. That's called a permissive parent or a permissive leader. Some leaders are that way. Oh, we want to show love. We want to show love. We want to show love. You know, praise God. But listen, what, what are the results? If you plant that, if you sow that, you're not going to get it in the same season. We've already established that. Can somebody say amen? Praise God. But, but unfortunately, too late down the road, we realize that this results in low self-esteem and an inferiority complex. Wow. Number two is the neglectful leader or the neglectful family. They are low in love and low in discipline. And the results of that planting, the reaping of that are no intimacy and no respect for others. So they have trouble with intimacy. Those, those, th that, that what is produced cannot develop close relationships, intimate relationships. They just can't do that. They haven't been trained. Number three, number three, it's called the authoritarian leader or the authoritarian parent. That means that they are high in discipline but low in love, low in love. And the result of that planning is that the child is provoked to rebellion, anger, or depression, or depression. How many of you look at somebody this morning and say, wow, we need a balance? We need a balance. We really do. And lastly, lastly, number four is the authoritative, authoritative parent. A parent with authority. Come on, can somebody just wave your hand in victory? You know, the problem, and dad recognized this, my goodness, uh, you know, 40 years ago. You know, 40 and even more than that, I hate to say it, but maybe 50 years ago, I remember my father saying that. I'm coming up on my 60th birthday next week, and Brother Wayne's going to come down and, and, and cheer, cheer me on. Glory to God. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, you know, I, I've been hearing him say it. I've been hearing him say it for all these years. He said, why is it that some parents, you know, are ruled by a three-year-old instead of ruling over a three-year-old? That problem was there 50-some years ago. My father recognized it. Is anybody out there? And I might say that the man raised one or two children. Let's see, Margaret, are you number two? You're number two. I'm number ten, and there were two more. Yeah. So I think he knew what he's talking about. Come on, is anybody out there? Come on. If you want to find something about uh, your marriage, don't go to somebody that's been divorced 47 times. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't go to a therapist. Come on now, who's not married at all. Come on, is anybody out there? Come on, if you want good counsel and you want good advice, praise God, you seek out somebody that's got some fruit on their bow. Hallelujah. Come on now, you seek somebody else. Glory to God that has uh, produced something wonderful that you would like to see produced. 
Come on, how many of you know here in Pennsylvania, if you want a good apple, don't buy an orange tree? It's not going to grow well in Pennsylvania. Come on, is anybody out there? Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Authoritative parent. Authoritative parent, a parent with authority, says that they are high in discipline. And what did we say about discipline? It's training, and it's about 95% training and instruction and pouring into. And it might be in the early years about 5% punishment, but that should be done and over with by the time the child reaches, praise God, somewhere around 8, 9 years old. Most of it should be already taken care of. So if you didn't do your job when they're 8 and 9, guess what? You're not going to get it done for the rest of their life. My son's going to have to deal with it. And see... Law enforcement was never the term that was widely used among policemen. The motto has always been for years and years and years, over 100 years, the motto has been to protect and serve. To protect and serve. Look at somebody and say, to protect and to serve. And to serve. That's a godly principle. Come on, can somebody say amen? And I want to talk about that just a little longer. Could I have just a few more minutes? Yes. Praise God. I want to talk about just, just a little bit to protect and to serve. But it is our job. But the results of this planning, high in discipline and high in love, it results in children that have a high self-esteem. They have good coping skills. They develop positive relationships and they respect their parents and tend to prosper in all other relationships. Praise God. Wow. Somebody wave your hand in victory. Praise God. You show a child a good relationship and they will be a part of a good relationship. Praise God. Come on. Can somebody shout amen this morning? Uh, Praise the Lord. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about just just for a few more minutes, just for a few more minutes, I want to talk about uh, a person in Scripture that that very seldom do we we read about, very seldom do we we hear about. But I want you to turn with me, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I want to begin reading in in verse 8. And this is just so good. I'm really excited about this this morning because this this is one of the the heroes, those, those unsung songs of a hero that we just usually don't hear about. But in 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 8, says, uh, begins, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. How many of you believe this morning that David had issues and problems? David even committed sin, but he knew how to find forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. Come on, can somebody say amen? He knew how to get back up again. He knew how to find forgiveness. Come on now and never repeat the same sin twice. Somebody wave your hand in victory. And David even declared, he said, Oh God, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, if you can learn not to sin against God, you're not going to have to worry about sinning against others. Hallelujah. Come on now, because it won't be in you. It's just not going to be in you. But we read about these mighty men, and, and the great thing about mighty men, if we believe that David truly was a mighty man, what he produced was mighty. What he produced was great. The fruit, come on now, that flowed through him produced good things. Praise God. Uh, We we read about uh, the Tekamite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Ezanite. 
he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew personally alone at one time. Somebody wave your hand in victory. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but they got some movies out there, and these guys can do some pretty impressive things. They can take care of a lot of folks. But you know what? Hollywood can't compare with the reality of Scripture. Come on, I, I still believe some of the greatest stories that have ever been told come from the Bible that you have in your home, praise God. How about turning the TV off sometimes and getting out the big story book and sitting down with your family and your children or your neighbors and tell them if y'all think that's something, I got something really great to tell you about. Somebody wave your hand in victory this morning. 800, 800 he slew at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Verse 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and it had cramped up, and it clave unto the hand of that sword, and they couldn't even get his hand open hardly to get the sword out of his hand after. He was so tired, he was so weary, come on now, that he had to have help at the end of the battle. And get this though, get this. And the Lord, everybody say, and the Lord. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. It doesn't say, listen, it doesn't say that he wrought a great victory that day. It says that the Lord wrought a great victory that day. I really believe if we'd give more credit to the Lord, he would use us more. I really believe if we acknowledge the Lord more, come on now, oh, I wish somebody would hear me this morning, that signs and wonders would begin to arise and begin to follow us. Come on now. I really believe that if we begin to advertise for Jesus Christ and not our own abilities, come on now, that God would arise in our situation. Come on now. I really believe that if we tell about the power of God, that we would experience the power of God in our own families. Come on, I really believe if we'd preach more about the power of Almighty God and what God can do without our help, hallelujah, that God would arise more on the scene and that the power of God would be more manifest than ever before in our churches, hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God a shout of victory this morning. Praise God. And God, and God wrought a great victory that day. Going on to verse 11. And after him was Shammah the son of A.G., the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. And there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And defended it. And slew the Philistines. Listen, and read these last words with me in verse 12. And the Lord wrought a great victory, praise God. Somebody wave your hand here this morning. And the Lord wrought a great victory. As much as I know, as much as I learn, and I'm still there, I don't think I'm maybe halfway there yet, but the Lord's got so much more to pour into me, and I want all that he has for me. I want to know him more. I want to draw closer to him. Come on now. Can somebody say amen? 
But you know what? I begin to realize more and more that it really is not about what I produce. It is what God produces through me. As I draw closer to Him in relationship, it releases His power and His authority to work in and through my personal life. Come on, is anybody out there? The best husbands in the world have the best personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The best wives in the world have the best personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The best fathers have the best relationship with Jesus Christ. The best mothers have the best relationship with Jesus Christ. And on and on and on and on. It really, truly is all about what Jesus Christ wants to produce in and through you. Can somebody wave your hand in victory here today? Praise God. But you know, as I begin to read this, as I begin to look over this count, as I begin to read it, it really did. It was just jumping off the pages at me. It was just becoming so apparent. And I really thought, you know, wow, the lentils. It was a little patch of lentils. How many have ever eaten lentils? A few of you. You know, they're good for you, right? Oh, you know, that's why you should keep eating them, because they're just good for you. Dad made me eat them as a child. Come on. My daughter-in-law loves lentils. I thought, seriously? You eat lentils? <laughs> you know, I hated them as a child. How many of you know that the very things that your parents made you do or made you eat when you were little, I love them today. Come on, my parents persevered. They made me do some things that they knew were good for me. And guess what? The older I got, the more wisdom I had, the more that I began to understand, wow, I just love potatoes and onions. Glory to God. Oh, I remember running to the school bus, you know, at nine years old, you know, with the heaves, and I could hear Dad's words in the background. Boy, you better not throw that breakfast up I fixed for you. Is <laughs> anybody out there? But you know what I love today? Potatoes and onions. Glory to God. Somebody wave your hand in victory out there. Come on now. Folks. Don't expect to reap in the same season that you're sowing what is good before God in the lives of your children, in, the, in your marriage, and in your community. Praise God. Because in due season, the Word says if you cast your bread upon the waters, in due, everybody say due season, it will return. Come on, I wish somebody give God a shout of victory this morning. Come on, come on. Come on, you give the Lord a shout of victory. Praise God. You know, we do. We really do. There's times, and I believe in all of our lives, times in all of our lives, that the reason we become discouraged in the first place is that, well, you know, Brother Phil, I, 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 I planted that. Uh, you know, I, I did, and I, um, I went out the next day, and I didn't see anything produced. So I walked away, and I neglected that little plant and before I knew it, the weeds were this high and the poor little plants choked out. The cares of this world, Jesus said, come in and choke the good seed. Everybody say, the best of seed. You can plant the best of seed, but if it's not watered, if it's not taken care of, the cares of this world will choke it out. And it'll never produce anything. And I want to close. And just to show you that I'm serious about closing, would you please stand with me this morning? I love you guys. I love you guys. I really do. God's so good. God is so good. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 54 
and verse 17. Everybody say, no weapon. I love to hear that song. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, is anybody out there? Just wave your hand. Look at somebody say, no weapon. No weapon. How many? How many? None. No weapon that is formed against you will stand. Praise God. But this is not me. It's not a song. It's scripture. No weapon, verse 17, Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, God will condemn. Thou shalt condemn. Do you know what that means? That God will do his part, but we got to do our part. Come on, somebody wave your hand in victory. In order to expect God to do his part, God's up there and a lot of times and, and his spirit is saying, whispering into us and saying, I'm waiting for you to do your part. It's not hard. It's not impossible. It's not even difficult. It's just simple obedience. Just simple obedience. But listen, what does that mean? Well, that means that God's going to fight our battles. It means that with Shama, God intervened that day, and he defended that little patch and slew the Philistines. You know what that tells me? That this, this man probably had some, had some small children at home. And over the years, he had got sick and tired of the, of the raids of the Philistines coming through and taking all their wheat, taking all their corn, taking all of their barley, and so, you know what? The only thing probably might have been left. You took it all, but you know what? I'm finally going to draw a line in the sand. Everybody say, a thin line. A thin line. I'm drawing a line in the sand once and for all. And I'm saying, devil, you're not coming across this line. Come on now. And so here we have Shama saying, my children have gone hungry long enough. If nobody's with me, I believe God will defend me. And he stood up with his sword and defied an entire troop of the Philistines and said, my children are not going hungry today. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me out there. Come on, I wish somebody would hear me out there. Come on, there's something that has got to arise in our hearts and in our lives of saying, the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not up to what I can do. It's not up to what I can accomplish. If I will simply stand up and obey God, that God will come right alongside and he'll fight my battle for me. Praise God. Listen. What is a lentil patch? Well, I believe, firstly, number one, it can be equated to being your children. You see, the devil is not just after your children. Oh, he is. He's after your children's children. 
He's after your children's children's children. He's after your children's 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 children. Come on, can somebody wave your hand in victory? Come on now. And the duty and responsibility of elders, the duty responsibility of guardians, the duty responsibilities of parents are saying, you're not getting my lentil patch. You're not gonna get my lentil patch. In Jesus' name, you are not going to get my lentil patch. They're not going to be raised in the world according to the world's standards. They're going to be raised as a child of the Most High God. I dedicated them to the Lord. And today, Brother Phil, I'm standing with you and I, in my heart right now. And I wish somebody would hear me right here today. No matter how old your children might be now, I want you to rededicate a vow, an oath before God that says, I'm going to stir up once again the oath that I made before you, God. And I am going to stand in the gap. I'm going to defend my children. I'm going to defend the lentil patch today once again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lentil patch. Lentil patch. Lentil patch. As a pastor, I, I believe and, and recognize that that is also can be applied to the principles of your marriage, the principles of your church, and yes, even the principles of your praise and your worship. Because I've seen worldliness creep in and I've seen people say, well, maybe I won't, maybe I won't do this like I used to. You better guard your lentil patch. Because the devil's not just after your dance. The devil's not just after your shout. No, he, he's after this. He doesn't want you doing not even this as glory to God. Mm. Come on. Are there any sheaves of wheat that would be lifted in the congregation this morning? Any sheaves of wheat under the sound of my voice of saying this is the wheat that comes up before God. Come on now. I'm not going to give him, no, I'm not going to give the devil one inch of my life, of my praise and my worship because it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about he being worthy. It's about what I can offer up to him. Come on now. What do we do? What do we do? We finally get down to saying, God, all I had was left was lentils to offer you and my praise and worship. The enemy came and he finally got those or do we turn the tables on him and say listen I've got a good stand of wheat back here high praise and worship unto my Lord and my God and devil no matter how small and how insignificant any form of my praise and worship might be to my God listen you're not getting my lentils you're not gonna get my lentils come on now somebody wave your hand one more time in victory here today praise God you know I, I I just want to ask you to help me with something just for a minute. Listen, I'm not going to ask for your lentil shout. I want you to give God your wheat shout right now in Jesus' name. Come on. One, two, three. Glory! Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. Our God is worthy. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. My God is worthy. My God is worthy. My God is worthy. His name is above every other name. Come on now. His throne is above every other throne. Hallelujah. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdoms of my Lord and 
my God, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody, anybody this morning in closing that'll just lift your hand right where you're at and say, Brother Phil, I'm convicted this morning. I can do better. I, I, there's room in my life. I, I could do better. For you of us that knew Brother Fox, Brother Leonard Fox, God bless him. I miss him. I miss some of these fathers, and I begin to realize, Brother Wayne, we've kind of become those old guys. Come on, is anybody out there? But you know, one, one of his favorite phrases, especially to young ministers, was, you can do better, can't you? You can do better, can't you? Come on now. Heard a story one time of a great minister. He's way up in years. Man was was 60 some years old and he was going to room with Brother Leonard Fox up in Oregon at this conference and Brother Leonard didn't get there till about midnight and this other brother was going to stay in the room with him had already gone to bed and he tells the story he said you know he said I woke up about one in the morning I felt something and he said Brother Leonard Fox's face was about this far away from me he said I'm sound asleep and Brother Leonard had come in and walked over and was staring down at me in the bed he said, it startled me, but I woke up. And he said, the only thing Brother Leonard said to me that night, he says, I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. But he said, he said, Brother, can't you do better? Can't you do better? And the man said, I was so convicted. He said, it, it struck me so much. He said, I determined that night in my heart that I was going to do better. Come on, somebody wave your hand in victory. Can I ask you, can we ever do enough for God? Can we ever do enough for God? Can we ever grow enough to suit God? No, as long as there's breath in our bodies. Listen, the Lord wants to draw us closer. He wants to empower us more. He wants to enable us more. He wants to know us better. And more than that, He wants us to know Him. Is anybody out there? Praise God. So if you could lift that hand back up this morning and say, Brother Phil, I want to join with you. I want to covenant with you today that we're going to do better than ever before. And we're going to purpose in our hearts and in our lives today. We're going to be better husbands, wives, better fathers, mothers, guardians. Come on, better employers, better employees. Come on now, we're going to do more for God because today I want to release the power of God. Reach that other hand up right now because God's got some power here this morning for some of us. God's saying, I want to empower you. I want to enable you like I have never empowered and enabled you before. I want you to recognize that it's all about me, that the glory belongs to me. Praise God. As you have those hands up right now, just shout it out. I receive. I receive more of Jesus. Come on. Oh, glory to God. Could we give the Lord a last shout and welcome your pastor up here. God bless you this morning.